Hello, everyone, and welcome to Subjects with Sam. I'm your host, Sam. Before we get into the first ever show, I just wanted to thank everyone for taking interest in this podcast and listening. I hope the information that comes out of this podcast is interesting and beneficial for everyone that listens. Thanks for tuning in, and now let's get into the first show. entrepreneur Andrew Boric, a New York City-based uh, app developer. Hello, Andrew, and thank you for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Hi, people, listeners, <laughs> Yes, folks. so you are actually the first episode that will be released on uh, iTunes. How do you feel I, about that one? I am the, uh, what would they call it, the, the first, the premiere, the... The only? No, I'm kidding. Not the only. <laughs> well, the pathway, pathway to more success. Certainly an OKP, original key player. Bang, bang. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, starting from like high school going on, where you kind of found your entrepreneurial drive and how that came about. Sure. Uh, well, I guess my... Like since I'm an iOS developer, you know my coding background begins when I was in, uh, yeah. So well, yeah. In terms of my iOS developer background, my coding uh, start, I began in the eighth grade because my household, you know, my family, we got internet, and immediately when I got internet, I was like, whoa, I gotta learn how to make these things. And these things, I mean, like websites. And so I just started doing like basic like HTML and CSS and learning how to uh, make sites. And then I, by sheer luck, I got into Francis Lewis High School uh, in Queens and uh, the computer science program that they had there. And I uh, started learning Python, C++, Java. You know, my first three years I spent learning that. And then in my senior year, um, my school partnered with Apple and we launched... Uh, this a pro in this program called Virtual Enterprise we had at the school, which is like uh, I I don't know what's, what's the right way to describe it. It's like fake businesses, but instead of selling you an actual cupcake, I'm selling you the idea of a cupcake. Anyway, we had real things in our school because we since we partnered with Apple, we would create uh, apps. So it was the first year that our school was doing that, and I was in the first year of the program. So yeah, that's when I started making iPhone apps, and then. Uh, I was going to go to school for software engineering, uh, but I decided against that instead to go to school for business because my school had a strong relationship with Mercy College. So that's where I went to school. I studied accounting. I graduated. Well, I finished my accounting degree. And uh, yeah, so now I'm 
do I do iOS development. I do a freelance now. I did uh, work for a startup for roughly two years. Uh, Co-founded it, and it was that was a really <laughs> you know if you really want to have an experience that like makes you move faster and learn faster than you ever could have. Like I would recommend a startup, especially if you don't have many like liabilities, the things that you have to depend on, responsibilities. Like when you're in college, like 100%, intern at startups, found a startup. I would recommend that because, I don't know, it just takes you to a whole new level <laughs> where you don't have control over how fast you're moving. You have to move at the pace of the startup. And uh, you really feel like you have like a contributing role. Uh, but yeah, that's why I got into iOS development uh, and how I got into doing business and uh, entrepreneurship. You know, I've been a part of a bunch of, I mean, at least five different startups and well, that's me. Andrew, you're leaving out quite a few things with, uh-huh. well, at least since I know you, uh, we, we interned with a crazy mad scientist named Max oh, yeah. Saban. Max Saban. That was one of them. <laughs> yeah. And Flutter, Flutter app. Flutter app, that's that's right. Um, yeah, and you were doing a little bit of like work for him as well as on your own. You were doing some portfolio building. Um, yeah. The Grumpy Gopher, that was a great app that, <laughs> that everyone loved. Uh, and then you had another, another one called Press Your Luck. Yeah, no, I had Press Your Luck, Grumpy Gopher, up, down, left, right. Uh, um, ooh, what was it? Yellow phone. Yellow phone. Uh, that was your original idea you had, like yeah. freshman year. Yeah. Uh, you want to explain that one a little bit? Yeah, it was like Snapchat gamified in the way of like the game telephone, like when you whisper in someone's ear and they have to pass the word off to the next person. Uh, I tried to like gamify that in Snapchat. So if you were to you, you were given a phrase, you have to describe that phrase in a video or a photo, and then you send that to somebody, and they have to try to determine what you were trying to describe, and then they, it's like Snapchat, if Snapchat were a giant chain uh, phone call. Uh, so yeah, that was the first project that, like big project that I worked on, because uh, I made a bunch of small little apps before then, but uh, I started that my freshman year. I finished around like, I don't know. At the end of my freshman year to my sophomore year of college, uh, but all the coding I was doing was on the like my own time. Yeah, that's yeah, that's another crazy thing. And then you had Grumpy Gopher, which had a couple thousand downloads, right? Yeah, yeah, it reached a few thousand downloads. Uh, it was I got, I mean, it got to the point where um, there was someone that I know that had the app on their phone, and they didn't even know that I made it. So uh, that was kind of cool. <laughs> but, yeah, that's crazy. So the concept of the of the game was like whack-a-mole, but on your iPhone platform. Yeah, it was just something simple that I was like learning when I was uh, getting started, and I figured you know, it would be fun to just make uh, that. You could still – well, no, it's not on the App Store anymore. Maybe coming back soon to the App Store. <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll resubmit it. Uh, but, yeah, no, in, in all in all, I've – uh, over a dozen 
apps I've launched to the App Store from development, you know, design, and then uh, release. Yeah. So there's a lot of people out there that are kind of uncertain as if they want to go straight to building their business or going to college. What would you tell someone that's interested in going to college, but they have a side business, they're doing their side hustle? Uh, what would you tell them? Uh, well, if what I'd tell them is that if you want to, if you have the idea and you've already sort of begun it, I mean, the thing is I went to school and I uh, ran a startup at the same time. So I know it's possible. I took night, uh, night classes. I took classes on the weekend. I took uh, online courses. So it, you know, it, it's, it's very possible to go to school. I, I would recommend, honestly, to any person that has a computer science background, uh, if you have – because I had five years of programming under my belt by the time I was going to college. If you feel that same way, like you have that same amount of experience or you feel comfortable programming enough, I would say continue learning it on your own. Once you pass that learning curve, because uh, when you first start coding, it seems easy. Then it gets super hard. And then you sort of pass that super hard point and you, you're in like this realm of, I know what I'm doing, but I'm still figuring it out. And then you figure it out and then you know what you're doing more and you just keep getting better and better and better. Uh, but yeah, if you're in that realm, I'd say I, don't know, I went to school for business and having a business mindset is it's really helpful. If you're in the startup scene, if you want to start your own company, if you have an idea for an app. Yeah, it's one thing to have like the idea and create it and you program it and everything, but how do you get that out there? How do you like sell this idea to other people besides just, you know, the the fact of the product? So, if I were to give like to, there's no definitive, oh, go to college, don't go to college. Uh there's successful people that have come from both realms, but I'd say try to balance things. Really get a degree uh as a fallback uh for certain things. I'd get a degree that you know is going to be useful for you. Like let's say you want to go into – you want to start a company that has to do with certain skills that they'll teach you faster than if you were learning on your own. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, and I think that's kind of one thing where the business school and the kind of – world they don't really match up whereas a lot of people say oh if you're going to school then this is the thing that you have to do whereas um a lot of time that's not the case at all whereas i know exactly i know you got in a lot of trouble with our dean of the business school because he uh he wanted you to do one thing but you said no i'm doing this side hustle over here this is what i'm going to do because this is what i want to do yeah, I mean, our, our dean was very supportive because the thing is, uh, there is a uh, pathway that they like to pay for a lot of students, and it's you know it's it's going to be a pathway of success towards uh, an accounting degree, a finance degree. Um, the lines for entrepreneurship are very blurred. You don't know. There's no exact way to do it. It's just a matter of of being in the field, getting the practice and doing it yourself. So, you know, I think it, 
the way that I got here to where I am now and to, you know where I hope to be in the future, uh, it's hard to explain to somebody, which is probably why I maybe had a little bit of conflict there. But, you know, the team was very supportive of everything. And, you know, to this day, uh, I like to say, you know, oh, he's our, uh, the hope for entrepreneurship in the program. Yeah. So I like that. No, you definitely brought entrepreneurship heavy into the program, whereas everyone else was following the path that they had kind of laid yeah, for Yeah, which us. is fine. Yeah. Which is fine. I think everyone should be able to do what they would like. Uh, but, you know, I, I, being an entrepreneur isn't about wanting to do one thing. It's about wanting to do a lot of things and uh, overall just – Taking everything that you know in business and everything that you know about the world and then creating ideas and businesses off of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so how do you come up with these crazy innovative ideas? Like, oh. Okay. Uh, I mean, for me, I have like 50 ideas a day and I throw out mainly all of them every single day. But I use, sometimes I'll have one good idea that I'll put on a drawing board. But the thing is, when you're an entrepreneur especially, you have to burn through ideas quickly or find a good idea and try to dismantle it as easy as possible because if you find an idea that you think is good and then you roll with it but you never actually try to like test it out and see like, oh, how could we break this idea? Then you could spend months, years on an idea and then just have wasted time from it. So I think the most important part, you know, coming up with the ideas, I feel like that's the easy part is getting all the ideas. Because sometimes what I'll do is I don't necessarily get like one full idea all on its own. I start off with like a small concept of something I want to create. So let's say I come up with an idea that I want to I want to create something machine learning or AI game uh, for artificial intelligence, and then I think, well, what can I do with this game? Oh, I want to have collaborative. I want to have real time. I'll have this. I think of what I want to put into it and what I want it to become, and that eventually it forms into like an idea. Uh, but a lot of the times, unless I actually follow through with the idea. It's only like partly made and I leave it on the shelf and I don't pursue it until I know completely that this is what the idea is, that I fully thought it out. I don't even write anything on paper or start coding or touch anything until I know exactly what it is that I'm making because then you don't have to change it. I mean that's sort of the design theory when it comes to – they call it agile methodology when you're coding. is that like you plan everything out. You nail it all. Before we even start coding, building anything, you figure everything out that you want to build, make all the decisions, and then you just build everything that you just decided upon. So the same thing should go for entrepreneurship. You think the idea completely. You really try to destroy your idea. <laughs> like it could be a dream, but you try to just poke holes in everything. And you know, if you think that uh, the idea is strong enough – that it won't like sink if you poke holes into it. Ultimately, you should go for something that's the least flawed idea, but I know nothing's flawless. So, yeah, just try to go with the best idea possible. Uh, but don't be afraid to say an idea is bad because yeah, I was telling you, you know, I get ideas all the time. People run ideas by me. I come, ideas are in my head all the time. And, you know, I, I, I got a little bit of a reputation for like, saying no 
to ideas often, but you know, you say no to a lot of ideas, but the when the right idea comes around and you're ready for it, that yes is like so much better because you don't waste your time and everything else. You just you figure out, you refine it. And sometimes when it comes to ideas, it's you shouldn't really just say no, that can't be possible, that's impossible. You should question it. Uh, and say, you know, how could it be possible? Because maybe the original form of the idea that you had isn't the the go-to-market one. Maybe there's a slight modification that you could make to it, and then all of a sudden it becomes a whole new, you know, form. Gotcha. Do you, do you ever use the market as a way to find like a new idea? Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me. As an iOS developer, I always go onto the App Store, which is like a terrible app. It always crashes all the time and bugs out <laughs> in itself. You know, it's funny that the, the App Store, where all the beautiful apps are supposed to be on, is the thing that is always buggy. Yeah, that's but, super hey. ironic that <laughs> yeah. one of the crappiest apps out there, always crashing, is the one that stores all the apps. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, you know they, they made a lot of improvements to the the app review process, uh, making it faster. It used to take two weeks after you, you'd build an app, you'd spend so long on it, and you had to wait two weeks to hear from Apple to say whether it was approved or not. But they, you know, they made uh, great strides, uh, and now it's like one to two days your app will get approved. But anyway, um, where I try to get, uh, you were asking where do I figure out how do I judge the market or like in terms of what the ideas are pursuing and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I just use the app store. I go to the search screen, but I don't touch anything. I just look at what apps are trending right now. And it seems a lot of the apps that are becoming popular are in line with this uh, group video chat, live stream and video chatting, but just video, which I always felt was, I mean, it's just the progression of things. You know, you start off with text then you're able to visualize stuff and now you want to make things move, you know, photographs and then uh, videos. So, yeah, that's where I really try to gather most of my ideas. Uh, I also like to see what people have on their phones uh, when I'm looking for uh, concepts or just really you've got to gauge what everybody wants right now and then try to figure out what the next step is to it. So let's say we have group video chatting, or we had video chatting just in general, and then now everybody, you know, Facebook's putting a huge push towards uh, live stream. They've like put all the money in that. Uh, they got live stream on Instagram, live stream on Facebook. They got the stories that they're unrolling on Facebook. They got it on Instagram, which is like a version of live streaming because it's within 24 hours and you can see it updated in real time. You know, then again, their whole website's always been live. <laughs> but uh, the one thing that I don't get about Facebook completely going live is like when you're on a live screen and you're watching whatever they're doing live. There's mm -hmm. no way for Facebook to like monetize that because they're not going to put like an ad in the corner of someone's live video stream. Well, you know, you know what, uh, you know, Twitch, right? Yeah. Or, uh, what was it? Patreon and stuff. They just make money off of donations and like percentages of the donations and subscriptions. So I feel like eventually they're going to move to that route. Uh, they just got to get everybody addicted first. 
So what, think, what do you think they're going to do? Are they going to have like content creators that are only on Facebook and then they somehow figure out how to create like a live show and then you subscribe to that? Is that... I, I, I feel like the, there's an uh, ad network. I don't necessarily know what is behind. Like, you know, YouTubers, uh, before Viners, uh, rest in peace. Uh, and you know all all these uh, I mean you talk about these other social medias that are video based uh, I I wonder what it's like internally or behind the scenes to be like a creator like how do they they're serving these advertisements they have agents on us obviously but is there a internal network that hands out these advertisements you know that like, like imagine Facebook has a thing that says, all right, here's your quest for today is to create a live stream and somehow in your live stream mention this product, whatever it might be, and uh, let's say uh, Pepsi. Mention Pepsi in your live stream at some point. The amount of times you mention Pepsi, Pepsi or incorporate Pepsi into your live stream will be how much you get paid. It's sort of – that's difficult to gauge. Okay. And then again, live streaming is hard to gauge just in general because you don't know who's going to be saying what. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's sort of e- – it's easier to do. It's simpler than editing a full video. I mean some, you know, some live streamers go really advanced. They add like a bunch of different graphics and stuff like that on their screens. But uh, I mean really all you got to do is just press play on your phone. I mean they made the app that simple. You know, yeah, Facebook did it for that reason. You just press play and that's it. You can invite people to watch. Yeah. So now moving on, I'd like to talk a little bit about Tapped. And this was a company that you were with for about two and a half years and you basically started it from like the ground up. Uh, just, yeah, I did, yeah. Just talk about like the experiences that you had while on working on that project or that company, yeah. I guess. Yeah, so I joined up uh, with the... Uh, few great guys actually uh, we, talk about how you got connected to these people because <laughs> this story is hilarious yeah so uh i mean how i got into linnet uh which was the the company right before tapped uh same people in both projects uh i was trying to beef up my linkedin uh make it look nice and my girlfriend told me that there was a spelling mistake on my LinkedIn or my resume and I was thinking like wow I look like an idiot so I just go on to uh, my LinkedIn and I changed the mistake on one of my descriptions and then I think I saw that I had somebody endorse me for no reason uh, and I was like oh let me go check this out it was my boy Nabil and I go to his page and I see oh he's a marketing director Bear Burger my favorite restaurant yeah, if you're in and, New York City, you have to check out Bear Burger. Yeah, definitely check out Bear Burger. I mean, they're they well, they're known for me. My favorite was the ostrich burgers. They don't. It's like a it's a limited edition thing, limited time thing. You have to find it at the right moment. Uh, ostrich because they don't have it around all year. But they got wild boar. They have elk. They have duck. They have turkey. Like you know, more uh, beef, more traditional. They got everything. Oh, sesame ginger beef. That's the new wave that everyone has to get on. Oh. <laughs> well, so short story. 
You got to check right. out Bear Burger if you're in New yes. York City. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, in New York City, if you're in Santa, Santa Monica, if you're in Dubai, I'm like their ambassador. Uh, their unofficial ambassador just because I, I eat at that place so much. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I met uh, – so I saw – I went to his LinkedIn and he had – Nabil had really funny job descriptions. Uh, like his – he's you know, marketing director at Bear Burger had a few years on that, and his job description was grew a beard. And it's like ridiculous. That's what you summarize your thing, but it was funny. And it, you know, it gave me insight as to who he was. So I messaged him saying, like, hey, man, uh, I saw your job descriptions, blah, blah, blah. You know, I think I like the way that you wrote them. I'd like to copy, like steal your job descriptions. I wanted to ask <laughs> your permission to steal your style because it's how I want to reflect myself. I just wrote something funny. Uh, yeah, you didn't even like, say you wanted to steal his job description. She just said, I want to steal this style. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like being funny <laughs> on a serious yeah. thing. Yeah, because that's, no, that's the thing about it. If I was, you know, now that I look at LinkedIn, uh, I see it as it's like the informal formal. Like it, it's a social media still, it's not uh, as cut and dry as. A resume. It's supposed to be like translating yourself. That's why there's a photo there. That's why you're able to write the descriptions yourself. And you can put the tagline as whatever you want. It's because they want you to feel more personalized. So I like that, that he did that. Uh, I mean, I'm not as daring to just put like one liners. <laughs> but anyway, I wrote to him and then he wrote back to me saying, Call me. And we spoke on the phone. Uh, he said that he had a project he was working on, Linnet, which was a. Uh, event planning app. He said, let's meet up right now. Uh, His response was in a minute, immediate. And I I was thinking, because I told him I love Bear Burger so much. He's like, let's meet up right now at Bear Burger. Uh, So on my way there, uh, in my head, I was going over, like, you know, even if this doesn't work out uh, as an iOS developer position or whatever I'm looking for, I got a free meal at my favorite place. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah, but I got much more than that. Uh, I met with the guys, met with uh, Andy and Nabil that day, and uh, yeah, they told me about their project, uh, the event planning Linux. Uh, I joined up with the team, uh, and after working with them for a few months, you know, I really grew to love the startup environment that moment. Like, if any, if uh, any doubts that I had in my mind before then pretty much went away because I was like this it's it's just you feel so uh, significant because if you don't do your work nothing's done in a startup it, like in a bigger company if you don't do your work it's alright it's like a temp there's somebody that's going to catch up the slack for you but in a startup let, let's say I didn't code one day that's a day that was just lost there's Nothing happened, you know. Progress was stalled, so I always was, you know, I had to be diligent on it. Anyway, we decided uh, after a little while, uh, we directed co- the Linnet app towards college students. We realized, you know, college students don't really want to plan the events or the hangouts that they have, like to the T. You know, they just want to text somebody and say, "Hey, what are you doing right now?" So. We said, all right, what do you want? So we surveyed all the college students. A big thing is just sometimes you don't, like as a entrepreneur, as a person in general, we don't know what everyone wants. We know what we want really well. 
but we can get a gist of what everyone wants, but you don't know what they want until you ask them. So that's why we surveyed all those college students, and we asked them what they wanted. They told us what they wanted, and we built everything that they wanted. They wanted stickers. They wanted filters. They wanted uh, memes. They wanted the captions like Snapchat. They wanted full screen. They didn't want full screen. They wanted square. They wanted uh, direct messaging. They wanted trends like on Twitter. They wanted uh, hot sections, uh, profiles organized a certain way. We, we just took all of their advice, and we took a consensus, and that's when we started Tapped which was a con college social media specifically for college students. So we took all the professors' emails. Uh, don't ask how we got it. You can probably figure it out if you're dev-minded. Uh, we took all of their emails, the, the student emails, and we whitelisted them, and then we blacklisted all the faculty emails, uh, which was easy for some schools. Cause, you know, Mercy, it, there's a difference between a student and faculty domain. But uh, anyway, we banned all the professors, we banned all the faculty, and so the app was specifically for students. So was, you could say what you want, and uh, you didn't have to worry about somebody. I mean, we did, there was app, you know, people that did get through, you had the ability to like report a person if you thought they were a professor or a parent, or just like a snitch in general. Just uh, somebody that's trying to mess up the culture of the app, like the freedom of speech culture. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty free. Like people yeah. were saying whatever they wanted to say without like It still worrying. is. Yeah. It still is. You can check it out on the App Store, T A P T Tapped. Uh and I mean, uh, you know, even though we're all not working on the project anymore, it's still something I think there is definitely a need in uh the market for cuz like Facebook is so broad now. I think we're going to I don't know. You know, it's sort of like a weird claim to make, but I feel like these these apps are going to get segmented, and they're going to like it's going to be niches of certain things. Like, eventually, people don't want a Facebook with everybody on it. They want a, a face. I mean, look what MySpace is was intended for. It was intended for musicians, and then everybody went on it. And then when Facebook came around, it sort of died out. But now it's back to being for musicians. So. I mean, I don't even know if MySpace is still around, honestly. <laughs> yeah. So what were some of the things that you kind of learned through your experiences with Tapped as, like, entrepreneurial? Uh, well, the thing is, the biggest point about being an entrepreneur is that people will tell you – I mean – there's going to be people that will offer you programs, how to build your user base, pay this much money, you can get this, you can get that. It will never be that easy. It's never as easy as hiring a PR agency, paying them this much money and getting X amount of users. It does not work like that. It's You have to like hustle. It's like it, I know it's something that seems to be a word that is thrown around so much in the uh, startup environment, like Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk is always talking about the hustle. But, you know, whether you follow that or not, like, the thing is, if you don't persevere, you're just not getting anywhere. It's it's never going to be easy. It's never going to be handed to you. I mean, the, you know, people look at what, uh, oh, they think that they could just launch a website in one night like Facebook and then have blow up the next day. He worked his butt off <laughs> to make that happen. And, I mean, he didn't always do the best stuff, uh, Mark. But, hey, he made 
Like he had to succeed and you have to get to where you need to be. So some people just expect it all to be handed to them. Uh, I guess that's the biggest lesson that I learned is like nothing is as easy as it seems. Uh, And I guess one advice that I would give to anybody that's looking to do, I mean, joining the world of entrepreneurship is just stick to your guns, go for the project that you really believe in, not the ones you half-heartedly believe in or you think, oh, you know, it might have a chance to work. Keep it going. Like I was saying before, just play out all the different ideas until you get to the one that is like, oh, that's that's what I want to pursue. That's what I want to put my whole life into. If you can't speak about that project with full passion, if you say, oh, you know, I got this app thing going on, don't do it. What are you doing? You're wasting your time. Right, <laughs> if, right. If you should, when you talk about this thing, it should be like a, a parent that just had kids and whips out the, the wallet with the eight baby photos and then you flip it over and there's 20 more. That's what. It, that's how you should talk about your company. That's how you should feel about it because it should be exciting and you should feel like you're going to be making a difference. Uh, if you don't feel that stuff, then you know, try it out. Maybe it'll grow on to you. I don't know how everybody works. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Right. Definitely. I don't definitely play the field. And so what happened with Tapped? You are no longer working on it. Mm -hmm. So uh, basically what happened with Tapped is that we went through a few rounds of funding and, uh, you know, we we had a kick – well, Linnet had a Kickstarter and then we used that money to fund continued operating. Because when we transferred over from Linnet to Tapped, same people. Like we just went to a different concept. We spun it around because the the goal of the company was to bring people together in a real world environment. And that's what we were trying to do. Like we were trying to tackle that project specifically, like actually bringing people together with hangouts. But then we realized, you know, if we can get them to socialize and get intimate enough in the digital space, they're going to want to meet up in real life. So we had so many testimonials of people saying, hey, you know, wow, I met people from TAP today. Like, I have screenshots saved on my phone. It's like when I feel like uh, feeling good, I check them out and I say – they all say like, hey, I met people from TAP today in real life. Like, wow, this is what an experience. Or at the end of semesters, people would say, wow, TAP really changed my life. Like those are real things people said. And it's a shame that the idea couldn't go on any further. Uh, we uh, couldn't secure – uh, the next round of funding, and so everybody, uh, you know, due to personal uh, reasons uh, involved, also we all had to go our separate ways. But I think what really brought everything together, what made me feel like that project was so substantial, is I think we were we were getting to the getting to solving the problem that seems to be. I mean, I, don't know, I think everyone. It's just accepted that when we live in a social world and we live in this digital environment and we uh, are interact on social media, but we should interact in real life too. And it's just as fun. It's I don't know, more fun. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> more fun to interact yeah. with people in in real yeah. life. Although, although I, you know, I was a big gamer and I played a lot on the Xbox, and it's definitely it's definitely a different environment being in the digital space and uh, the internet. 
Uh, it's just, it's fun too. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. There's a whole nother feeling. Uh, a whole nother world out there. <laughs> oh, a, a tangible world. Yeah. So do you have any, this is going to be so random, but do you have any like business related entrepreneurial, like favorite books of some sort? Oh yeah. My favorite is the Freakonomics series. Hands down. Love that series. Uh, they have this like Freakonomics one and two. Uh, that might not be the full name. Might be part one, part two, whatever it is. Just one and two. There's two of them. And then the best one, my favorite is think like a freak. Uh, basically, they take uh, economics and they use it to solve like, social, political problems. They try to take an issue that we see in the world and simplify it in terms of, you know, so just looking at economic factors and how those influence what issues come out. So, I don't know, any person that's into business. And that's into, I mean, even macroeconomics because this thing looks at stuff from a micro level, but it looks at how macro issues can be pinpointed by specific things. Uh, and also, you know, the Think Like a Freak really changes your mindset about how to solve a problem, about not necessarily uh, looking for an easy, well, not necessarily looking to do the project faster, but looking at how to efficiently do something because sometimes people will rush through a project because they have to get it done in an hour so they rush it and get it done in 10 minutes but what if you can consistently refine the project the process of you doing that project so then you can get it done 20 minutes every single time that's what you know freakonomics really gets down to uh, doing the like the most <laughs> with uh, a certain topic I mean they have this uh, part of the book, they were talking about the hot dog eating contest, uh, Nathan's hot dogs eating contest they have at Coney Island every year on Fourth of July, and you know. Uh, and I mean, to rain- just just stop you there, Andrew is a huge fan of hot dogs and yeah. hot dog eating <laughs> contests. In college, he won the hot dog, the eating, hot dog con- eating contest contest that we had at like one of our spring events. Yep, I ate, I am the champ. I mean, I ate hot dogs. I know uh, I'm not proud of it necessarily. <laughs> it's good, disgusting, but I eat hot dogs like every single day. I, not even lying, you know, not exaggerating. Every day, uh, up until I was 12, uh, that's when I stopped. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm a hot dog fiend, so that's why this that that <laughs> that's why that that uh, part of the book really stands out to me. Is that uh, oh Kobayashi? I think that was his name. Man, I'm probably butchering that, uh, but. He was the he was a nobody that came into Nathan's hot dog eating contest and then blew everybody away by outscoring double the best competitor that there ever was at that point. Uh, and he did so by not trying to eat hot dogs faster, but by making the process of eating the hot dogs easier by wetting the buns. By uh, he had this thing. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's Kobayashi. Uh, let me see Nathan's hot dog co. Kobayashi, yeah. So Kobayashi, my boy, he had this thing called the Kobayashi wiggle or something, where you know it's the way that you 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 jump while you're eating the hot dogs and you eat it like it goes down a lot easier. And then they you know putting the hot dogs two hot dogs at a time. So, I don't know, just the things that he came up with. There was a wide range of practices uh, that he would do because he wanted 
to not just eat the hot dogs faster, but to do it easier. It's like it should just be easier. It shouldn't be like, oh, stuffing bun and hot dog in your mouth all the time. Anyway, but this is so crazy how you're relating a hot dog eating contest to business. (laughs) But that's the thing, you know, the the, definitely great read. Think like a freak. Recommend it completely. Um, I think like a freak is by, I don't know. Let's find Stephen J. Dubner and Stephen Levitt. Excellent. This is the second time this week I've heard of this book, so I'll definitely have oh, to yeah. put it on the list. Put that on the list. Bark, bookmark it. <laughs> drop, drop it into your Amazon uh, wish list. Yeah. Well, <laughs> is there anything else you would like to say? Uh, I don't know. I, I think uh, – is there any other questions you have for me? or What, what do you think about uh, the landscape right now as it is – uh, yourself, Sam, for a a business person, an entrepreneur. So pretty for me right now, I think it's a very interesting time where it seems like all these hot spots for entrepreneurs are also some of the most expensive places to live in mm-hmm. the United States, which I think is very unfortunate. Yeah. And yeah. So there's like a lot of risk that entrepreneurs have to take, but the reward is so large that it's almost worth it. If a company, if you're able to do an IPO and get just gobs of money that way, or even if a bigger company, more established company, comes and acquires your company, I don't, I don't know. Because just, the company I work for right now is very acquisition heavy. In the, uh-huh. pa- in the past two months, we've acquired three companies and we've grown our uh, – oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. But we've grown our revenues from like 1000 to $1 in, in just like the past – It's like couple, double. Yeah, just the past couple of months because we've been acquisition heavy. So I think it's a good time to be an entrepreneur but the sh- there's a lot of struggle and i i don't know the yeah there's a lot of the, risk what i think i mean the reason why it's such a great time to be an entrepreneur um, you know to just try new things is that the cost of trying is very minimal it, especially if you know how to code uh if you know how to code majority of the big companies now are all tech oriented so if you know how to build tech you just save yourself having to outsource, you know, code development to India or, you know, which is not, I mean, just the experience that I've always had with uh, India developers, not the best quality. You know, there's probably some of them that are really good. Uh, but, you know, you pay a lot of money and uh, or you pay very little money and you get what you paid for. Uh, but the thing about it is, especially if you know how to code, the pro- cost of starting your own company is so cheap. It's free, basically. You have a laptop, and you do everything from there. You you, uh, you can develop the apps. You can do all your uh, purchasing. You can set up an e-commerce site, and then boom, you're like, you just keep the stock in your house, and that's it. You ship everything out from there. Back in the day, you'd have, you know, if let's say I wanted to start a restaurant, I could, I would have to buy a plate. Uh, uh, First, find land, lease the land, buy the land, 
build property on the land, and then after all that money is put in there, I still don't know whether I'm going to succeed. Then I have to come up with the menus. I have to hire a bunch of people. I have to uh, make sure the layout of everything is really nice looking and uh, the, the formulas for how uh, the, the process is going to work. Is it going to be fast? Is it going to be fast casual? Is it going to be a sit-down place? You have to figure all that out, and then you launch, you open the restaurant, and then no one comes, and it's like, that's it. You just wasted all that money, or else you have to flip it. You have to change it to something else. Pivot. You know what? Yeah, pivot exactly. But if you don't pivot, then it just dies uh, or grows stagnant. But the thing about tech companies is, you can code something out, and in a week or two, you can have a basic concept, and then just start asking everybody you know. What do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about this? Survey them, and then. Change it, modify it. You can do it so quickly. You don't need to have a contract. You don't need to have an architect. It's like you're building in the virtual space. You know, my family in the uh, past generations was always, you know, in uh, construction, mechanics. My grandfather worked on the Verrazano. Uh, you know, it's all in the physical space. I like to think of myself as a constructor, uh, construction worker, an architect in the digital space. <laughs> I'm building houses, but with lines of code. Ones and zeros. Wow. That's a great way to <laughs> sum everything up. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on the show. I hope hey, people, me. listeners, I, th- I hope you uh, gained a lot of insight into being a tech entrepreneur. Next week, we'll be having Alex Parker, a uh, Forbes featured entrepreneur. He's in investment management. He'll be on the show. AP. Great guy. Yep. So uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Sayonara.